This is the Trey Blocker Show, starring Charlie Hodge and Trey Blocker. And now, here's Trey Blocker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Trey Blocker Show. It is only a few days since we woke up on Monday morning to the deadliest shooting in U.S. history in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, The details of the shooting are still coming together, but at this point we know that 59 people were murdered, 500 people were injured. The shooter had 23 guns in his hotel room in the Mandalay Bay Hotel and shot into a crowd at a country music festival. Today in the studio, I have Dr. Greg Hupp and former Texas legislator Susanna Hupp. And if you notice, those last names are the same. (laughs) <laughs> you two are married, aren't you? I think yes. so. <laughs> still, still. Still. Happily even. Good, good. For our listeners who have been paying attention to the show for a while, uh, Susanna was on episode 12, in which we discussed her career as a Texas legislator and what propelled her into nationwide fame, would you call it? Notoriety? How about infame? <laughs> If not infamy. Yeah, infamy works. Okay. Susanna was at the Luby's Cafeteria in Colleen, Texas in 1991, when up to that point, the deadliest shooting in U.S. history occurred, and Susanna lost both of her parents in that shooting. How many people total died It was 23. 23. Yeah. And so for those of you who are unfamiliar with her story, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to episode 12 to get those details. But the significance, I think, of your story, Susanna, is the fact that unlike a lot of people after that incident, you didn't blame guns. You blamed a crazed person for his acts. Yeah, sure. So would you share a little bit about that and and how that thinking evolved? Well, I I think you know, and probably most of your listeners know that I wasn't born in a house with guns and I'm not a gun nut. I guess I'm not into going out and blasting Bambi, but I didn't, I certainly don't have any fear of guns and I understand them to be a tool. Right. I mean, that's all it is. It's it's a tool. It's a hunk of metal and it's a hunk of metal that can be used to kill a family or it can be used to protect a family. It just matters as to who has the tool in their hands. So it's no different to me than a a knife or a chainsaw or any other tool. And I recognized that right off. And I used to carry a gun in my purse, but at that time, of course, it was illegal in the state of Texas. And I had begun leaving my gun out in my car to avoid losing my license to practice. So I think that's kind of a perfect example right there of why I recognized that It depends on whose hands that gun is in. The bad guy, in our case, you know, he didn't care what the law was. He didn't have any problem carrying and using the guns. Uh, I had chosen to obey the law and I wasn't able to protect myself. So again, I recognized that it was just the person behind the gun that made the difference, not the gun itself. Right, so it was predictable that in less than 24 hours, Oh, yeah. From the time the first shots rang out from the window at Mandalay Bay, the political opportunists on the left, including Congressional Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, they have immediately called for more gun control. What's your reaction to that? 
You know, it's tiring, <laughs> quite frankly. It, it's a little frustrating because it seems so incredibly short-sighted and frankly, it completely lacks imagination. My 19-year-old son and I sat down and we figured out half a dozen ways that we could have killed more people without a gun. Right. And if you don't mind my saying at this point, a perfect example is uh, this guy in Las Vegas had two planes. There was an airport a mile away. I think it was less than a mile away. If he really wanted to slaughter a bunch of people, all he had to do was hop into one of his planes that he was fully licensed to own and mm. fly, get in it and land it through that crowd into the stage. Instead of taking out hundreds, he would have taken out thousands that right. way. Right. And yet everybody goes to the gun. It's the gun. I honestly, it seems, it seems silly and, and short-sighted to me. Well, silly, yes. I would disagree with the short-sighted part. I think they fully understand the bigger their, plan, the bigger plan yeah. and their objectives in dismantling the Second Amendment. And, and you're right. There are plenty of other ways where you could kill a whole lot more people. So I listened or I saw on Facebook a post by a Texas legislator where he said, you know, in the civilized world where there are sensible gun laws, these types of mass shootings don't happen. So why can't we have sensible gun laws like that? And you brought up a good point before the show when we were talking. There are still mass shootings in these countries with very strict gun laws. And, and you cited an example in Norway. Uh, yeah, I believe it was Oslo, Norway. Um, it was at a uh, kid's summer camp where this crazy guy took a boat out to a little island where they had a kid's summer camp and he slaughtered, a, a, I believe it was 85 children. And here's a case where, yeah, guns weren't allowed. With firearms he shouldn't have had. That's absolutely right. right. Well, and so I was also went back and looked up this morning in preparing for the show, the bombing in Manchester, England in May of this year, where Islamic terrorists killed 23 people and injured 250 people with a homemade bomb yeah. packed full of nuts and bolts. I don't understand why the left focuses on the weapon and not the actual act itself. They always talk about, for instance, gun violence. I don't know, is it, is it better to be stabbed to death? I, I don't understand, I'm, I'm saying that in all seriousness, I don't understand where they're coming from with that. Why is it okay to be violent with a bomb? Or they would say, of course, that's, that's ridiculous, Suzanne. It's not okay to be, but we're going to go after guns, by golly. Right. They're not wanting to ban nuts and bolts. That's apparently the case. Right. And in 2005, in the London train bombings, 52 people were killed, 700 injured with bombs made out of organic peroxide. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was no call for a ban on peroxide. But every time there's a shooting in the United States, they want to ban guns, and it's perplexing. Dr. Hupp, I want to bring you into this conversation. Not only are you the husband of the infamous, famous, n notorious Susanna Hupp. There we Hupp. go. That was the word. <laughs> you, you, you are a licensed psychologist with experience in criminal forensics, neurodiagnostics, behavioral medicine, and a bunch of other stuff I can't pronounce. So um, <laughs> tell our audience a little bit about your background and your thoughts on this shooter in Vegas up to this point. Okay, well the short version is I am trained in brain injury, mental health, and 
related issues like PTSD and, and how that applies to both criminal settings and forensic settings. And so my forensic stuff is I actually get to go into the jails in the prisons and assess how crazy are these inmates. Mm -hmm. You know, did they know what they were doing at the time? What led up to it? Were they crazy but insane? Insane but guilty at the time or any variation thereof. And so part of it is understanding, okay, is this driven by chemicals, drugs, whatever? Is it driven by internal stimuli, voices, visions? Or was there something that set them off? Or is this just a personality issue that finally revealed itself? And so that's part of the job is assessing what most people would call is criminal profiling. Right. You know, what made this person do what they did? So at this point, we know just a handful of facts about right. the shooter. He was, he was not married. He did have a girlfriend, he, no children. One brother that we know of right. doesn't appear that they were close. Doesn't appear that he was close to his parents. And then I believe there was some story that came out earlier about... Yeah, it's apparently a fact that his father was a bank robber. He was on the FBI's most wanted list back in the 60s, I believe. He, was, he actually escaped a Texas prison at some point and then was recaptured in the 70s. Um, but the brother of the shooter says that they didn't even really have... They didn't know their dad growing up. But it does beg the question, is there something genetic there. So Dr. Hupp, what do you think the answer to that is? Is there a, a genetic predisposition in some people towards criminal behavior? There's a lot of factors that can point to it. I mean, this argument goes back to Charles Whitman and UT, you right. know, 50 years. You know, what caused him to do it? Well, he was a guy that didn't know his father. He was a loner. He kept to himself. Very successful by a lot of people's standards. He was college, you know, pretty well, pretty good college student. What made him snap? So, so this the is the person argument, who right. climbed to the top of the University of Texas Tower and killed, I can't recall how many people, I think but it was a bunch. 16, right. right. something like that. So his profile is similar to the Vegas shooter, you would say? In a lot of ways, yeah. Um, you know, you can bring up, did he have daddy issues because he didn't know his daddy? Um, he was a loner. He kept to himself. You know, by the reports we have, there's no record of social media. I mean, who in At this all. world no today? No Facebook, no Twitter. Yeah, he apparently had a generic Facebook page. But, I mean, who today doesn't have access to social media? Right. And so to not have a presence in social media by itself is weird hmm. in this modern society. So even though by all appearances it's, it's the old thing of the neighbor said, oh, he was a great guy. He never said anything. He never caused any <laughs> trouble. Right. Well, yeah, because he's inside filing down his weapons the whole time, making them automatic. So it's, it's hard to say it's the same issue. One of the problems we get into is we're trying to put sensibility to somebody who's an extreme outlier. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking one guy out of 300 million Americans right now and many of them gun owners with multiple firearms. We have our own arsenals. But yet this one guy decided that he was going to use his and turn it on a crowd full of people. Right. So to say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well. No, duh. I mean, that's kind of the argument right there is he is the outlier. So are there indicators? Absolutely. You know, there's a pattern of behaviors he's set up that he was off the radar. And being off the radar itself is a deviant behavior. Right. And at this point, there, there doesn't seem to be any evidence that would point to any terroristic ties. 
Not that, that we we've seen right so now. far. No. We do know that he wired a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars to the Philippines, and we don't know why or even to whom he wired this money. So we don't know why he did that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're kind of all assuming that it's the Filipino woman that he was apparently maybe dating yeah. involved with. Right, right. Okay. Who conveniently enough is out of the country when yeah, all this happens. That, the more I thought about that yeah. this afternoon, I thought, wasn't that convenient for her to leave the country mm-hmm. right before this happened? And he wired a bunch of money to yeah, the Philippines. Yeah, I just... Yeah, so my suspicion at this point, I mean, it, let's insert the caveat we that go. we're just a few days from right. this happening right. and, and facts are still coming in and we're speculating Absolutely. at this point, right? We're speculating, but it would not surprise me at all if it is ultimately revealed that she knew that this was going to happen. That's why she right. was out of the country, and that's why he wired $100,000 to the Philippines. But we'll see. We'll see what the facts say. So one thing that interests me is in looking at this, I mean, we, we've had this mass shooting. We had Sandy Hook. We had Columbine. We had the Luby's massacre in Colleen. And these are all modern instances of mass shootings to the Best of my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, we didn't see these kind of acts 50 years ago or 75 years ago, and I don't think gun ownership per capita is any higher today than it was then. I don't think access to firearms is easier today than it was then. In fact, it's much stricter today. So I want to get both of your thoughts on why that is. I'll start with you, Dr. Hub. I got to interject. They're not. Um, and, and in fact, it, you'll, you'll notice that some of the uh, newscasters are a little more careful in how they word it than others. Some of them say, in recent history or in modern history. Oh, really? Yeah, they'll talk about that. In fact, there was one, it was in, uh, in the Northeast, and I want to say it was in the 40s, 20s, 30s, 40s, somewhere right there. And the guy was a, like a janitor or maintenance person at a school. And he got his knickers in a knot about something. And he, he blew up part of the school and then sat outside with a rifle, if I remember correctly, and, and picked kids off and, and people off. And yeah, it was, it was really ugly. And he killed a lot of people and children. I mean, it was okay. children. So that does bring up a very good point, And that is there are countless examples throughout the history of mankind of mass murders. The difference yes. is back then we, uh, you'd read about it in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, was it, you weren't bombarded with the information on a regular basis. You read, it, you read about it and everyone moved on. Um, in more recent history, when we got television, we would see the six o'clock news, the 10 o'clock news, and then it would be gone. Right. But now with the 24 hour news cycle, which I think is to some extent our undoing on this, um, if that person's name is, we have the, the feeling that stuff happens all the time. Things are reported 300 times more than they were 30 years ago. 300 sure. times more. So if a child is abducted in Arkansas, I, I would have read about it in a, you know, the third page of the newspaper. But now we hear about it literally 300 times more. So we think that kidnappers are everywhere. And, and they're not. Right. But it also adds to the fact that if there is a loony out there, uh, I think it's more likely to plant the seed in their 
sick little brains of doing something to outdo the last guy. Greg, from your standpoint as a psychologist, is that the case? Do people take note of, you know, I, I still, I, I'm pretty sure I still remember the names of the two kids in Columbine. Columbine. Uh -huh. And that has to give other people who are looking for a way to act out and make themselves infamous. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to a certain extent, you know who Frank and Jesse James are. Right. You know who Billy the Kid was. Right. You know, those guys were always part of that fringe society, even back then, always trying to one-up another one. You know, who's the new kid coming into town to shoot down the old gunfighter? Right. You know, so it's that same mentality of, okay, these days, like Susanna said, we've got just, I mean, instantly, we get a notice, you know, my phone dings in the middle of the night and says, sure. 50 people killed in Vegas. Right. You know, it's, and so information's immediate, but I don't think the trend is any different than it has been for years. You know, okay. centuries probably even at this point. Right. You know, and when you look at the gun culture, the repeating firearms only been around for 130, 40 years. You know, so sure. so that in itself is a fairly new phenomenon. I mean, in the in the sense of history, and so access to something that can cause mass murder is is a modern invention, and so the behavior is not so much different. It's the means of access. Now, the question is going to be, well, then do we limit the access? No because you could have very easily taken that airplane, UPS truck or a FedEx truck, and even the reports are this guy had in Vegas had fertilizer in his car. Mm. You know, pounds of fertilizer they found in the car. So he was clearly planning something big. Right. And you can take the guns away, but he still got the fertilizer. Sure. He still has the plane, he still has the car. So the mechanism has changed, but the behaviors have not changed for centuries that we know of. I think that's an important point. Yeah. It's the, the gun is a very, um, potent tool. And I, I remember uh, shortly after my parents were killed, uh, my sister pointed at an article in a paper. It was something about one brother killing another brother. It was like December 12th. And he killed this his older brother with a Christmas tree stand. Oh, wow. And my sister commented, well, I wonder if we're going to hear about him wanting to eliminate Christmas tree stands. And of course, the truth is, had there been a gun sitting next to the Christmas tree stand, the guy would have picked up the gun because it's a more effective tool. Right. But if had it been the gun, it probably would have been on the front pages and we would have read about it. Well, Cain grabbed the, the rock for his brother. You know, so <laughs> it's either uh, a rock or a Christmas tree stand or, you know, machete, whatever you want to pick. Evil exists in the world. Yes. And humans will always find a way to commit murder. Yes. Plain and simple. But what we have today, and I think part of the reason I wanted both of you on this show shortly after this incident, is so that we could discuss the motives of the left, uh, because they will take advantage of every opportunity they can to diminish and ultimately abolish our constitutional right to keep and bear arms, and we're already seeing it. I turned on MSNBC today, which was very hard for me to do, <laughs> and watched, watched as they just constantly hammered away at guns. We need more gun control, more gun control, more gun control. And, and right? the anchor asked, well, how many people have been killed in Chicago this year already? 4,000. Right, 4,000 compared to 59 in Vegas with an automatic weapon. Right. Illegally converted, by the way. Absolutely. So that argument, and Chicago is one of the toughest places to have a gun in this country. Exactly. And it clearly doesn't work there, so why are we going to listen to the left who run Chicago, 
these are the same people that want to ban it for the rest of the country. Well, but their well, argument is always, yeah, but the, the people in Chicago <coughs> are getting it from Texas, or they're getting it from Nevada, or they're getting it from another place that it's easier to get it. So, so we just need so to ban it So you get it from Mexico, you get it from Canada, you get it So from to go back Norway. to the earlier point we were making about the bombings in Europe, let's say we could snap our finger and tomorrow there are no guns in the United States. There is still organic peroxide and nuts and bolts, Yeah. Yep. right? And so interestingly, in contrast to what we're hearing out of, out of the media and the left right now with regard to, oh, we got to ban guns because there's a shooting, when President Trump said there are Islamic terrorists from certain countries committing violent acts and killing people across the world by bombing them, we're not going to let them into the country. That was not okay to the media and to the left. <laughs> we clearly have. Where's the disconnect? Well, I think you have two factions of the left. And I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, right, of the left. Right. You have the faction that does want to do away with the Second Amendment because they believe it to be a politically expedient way of gaining ultimate control, in my opinion. But then you have the other faction of the left, which are, are the great unwashed masses, that they just don't want, I'm sorry, this is, I've been seeing so much of this today, they just don't want any more killings. You know, and, and there's no logic there. There's no, uh, there's no historical basis there. They just know that guns make a loud noise and cause things to die. You know, the truth is, I've always thought that the gun issue should be a women's issue and a gay rights issue. Because women, in, uh, if they are disarmed, you know, if you go up against a, a big man, I mean, that gun suddenly becomes your great equalizer. Right. And uh, unfortunately, the, the, we've seen so many, not so many, but there have been some widely publicized cases of gay men being uh, beaten to death. And I think, gosh, if they had just been armed, I, there's no way I would want to be out there and not be armed. Sure. It's amazing in today's society how many people are willing to give up their right to defend themselves. If we want to quote Benjamin Franklin, who is always good for a line, he said, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Mm -hmm. You're talking above the heads, I think, of the average 22-year-old girl that's in school, that's in college. I don't think they've had the history. I don't think they get it. I mean, honestly, I, I just don't think they get it. Well, and it's no fault of their own, right? Because uh, they're not being taught history in schools. They're being indoctrinated by leftist faculty in the universities. Uh, this is a whole nother episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes me twitch. <laughs> um, and you have children in college, so you know about the indoctrination that they're, that they're so, forced so when, so when to suffer through. So when you look at the, the Bernie Sanders crowd, which is that college-age young voter, uninformed voter, Bernie Sanders is a socialist, right. self-ascribed socialist, which is the same political party of Russia's Stalin at the time. And how many did, millions did Stalin round up? Because there was nobody to defend them. Don't tell me that nobody killed each other in Soviet Russia. But yet the government now had the means and the access to go in and just literally clean out neighborhoods. 
you know, at their political will, and there was nobody to stop them. And our founding fathers knew that, yeah. right? And that's why they gave us the Second the Amendment, Second Amendment right. because they saw the history prior to the founding of this country when the first thing that any totalitarian regime did when they wanted to subject people was took away the right to self-defense. Of course. Yep. Yep. My, uh, my boys both had, and this is a perfect example, my boys both had a teacher um, in Lampasas High School uh, that is a very well-loved teacher because unfortunately, and I say this unfortunately, you'll understand why, unfortunately he's an excellent teacher. He's, he's a good teacher. Right. It's just what he teaches that I have a problem with. Okay. And one of his, the quotes from him was, I hope Thomas Jefferson is rotting in hell. Now, my son comes home and we teach him and refute the things that the teacher has said and he goes back and tries to make an argument, right. which is difficult for a, a, you know, a 17-year-old kid to do against their, their high school professor. Sure. But the fact of the matter is that guy has whatever it is, 120, 150 other kids every single day that that's their takeaway. That's what, that, there's nobody fixing that at home for them. So they go through life thinking Thomas Jefferson was a scumbag slime ball that should rot in hell. They never learned that this is the guy that originally would have freed the slaves when he wrote the, the Declaration of Independence. It would have freed the slaves, but that part was stricken out by some right. other ones. You know, they don't they they don't learn that. Well, it's Say unfortunate. It by the Southern Democrats who had it taken out. Again, another is, episode. Yeah. We'll have to invite yes. Jerry Patterson back for that one. <laughs> 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 so we're, we're starting to run out of time, but there, there are two, two more questions that I want to ask you. You know, Jimmy Kimmel, the comedian, and I'm going to use some air quotes now uh, <laughs> because it seems as of late he's had an opinion on every political topic to hit the news. And he mentioned today that, you know, the gun laws are never going to change. You, you can just see, imagine how exacerbated he was when he was saying this. Gun laws in the U.S. are never going to change as long as the, what's the technical word for, the, for testicles? I don't think he used the technical word. As, as long as the gun lobby uh, has the testicles of Congress in a money clip is how he put it. So, Susanna, how do you react when, when the media and the left talk about, well, things are never going to change because the gun lobby owns Washington? <laughs> Just it makes me laugh because they always make it sound like the evil empire, right? Right. And what, what nobody seems to comprehend on that side is that the NRA exists because little people like me send them money. Lots of little people like me and my husband Millions. send them money. Right. That's where the money comes from to create the lobbyists and to go out uh, to, to go up to Washington and look out for uh, my family's um, freedoms and concerns about the gun issues. They don't invent their money out of thin air. It comes from the people. Correct. And so that's, that's a good point. And that is, we as citizens of the United States have a right to petition our government. But most of us have to earn a living during the day, yeah. right? Yeah. And because we don't have time to march off to Washington, D.C. or Austin, Texas, or our local capital or city hall. And that's why we hall. join associations. Whether you're a plumber or a chiropractor, you join associations, you pay dues. Part of your dues goes to hire a lobbyist to go to Washington or to the capital in Texas to watch out for your interests because you're working. 
I suspect there is not a person in this country who does not pay for a lobbyist That's in right. one way, shape, right. or form to look after their interests. When I was out doing town hall meetings, I'd always, I'd always ask the question, how many people are in here or are, uh, belong to a professional association? And invariably, you know, everybody in the, fa or at least one person in every family raises their hand. I said, then you hi have a lobbyist working for you. Right. Well, I guarantee Jimmy Kimmel is a member of the union. That's right. If he wants to be on TV, he's got a union card. That's a good point. And his union has, has a lobbyist. lobbyist. That's right. Right. So it's not as if they have some high moral ground and, and disdain for evil lobbyists. They just don't like that the, the fact that the NRA is powerful because they represent millions of Americans who believe in the Second Amendment and right. want it protected. So that's an interesting question. So Dr. Greg Hupp. There's, I, I already saw Speaker of the House uh, Paul Ryan reference some mental health reform that Congress mm -hmm. passed last year. Is there something more that can be done, should be done with regard to mental health and, and trying to keep firearms out of the hands of the mentally ill? One of the big issues, I think, and coming from the criminal forensic world, is when I do those evaluations, those become part of the court record. Most of the time, depending on state jurisdictions, those records are sealed. And so if I tell a judge, this guy is criminally insane, that information gets sealed up. Hmm. That is not accessible to mental health treatment centers. And so the public never knows that this person has been adjudicated crazy. And so what you end up dealing with is the criminals, nobody tells their story because that's all part of the sealed criminal record. But if I take soccer mom down the street with bipolar or anxiety and she goes and gets her weekly fill of Xanax or her weekly fill of Wellbutrin, well, do you want those records to be released? Because now you've got clinical health treatment right. being made public and her suburban is just as deadly as my nine millimeter. Sure. And I don't know what HIPAA stands for, but doesn't HIPAA protect those records from being disclosed? Absolutely, right. And so you've got one side is a civil, pretty sure those soccer moms don't want that information released that mom was on Xanax or mom's got her Wellbutrin or, or whatever. Right. On the criminal side though, there's part of, well, the, the trial lawyer lobby has <laughs> done a really good job in saying you cannot use those competency records for use in a trial situation. They can only be addressed for a very, very specific criminal purpose. And so that information may never get out. And in many states where if a, someone who commits a crime is found to be crazy, then that case is dismissed. And that person is allowed to walk free with the understanding of they'll probably go get mental health treatment somewhere down the street. Well, and let's also keep in mind that in most of the instances in mm -hmm. recent history, these people had no prior criminal history that would have even potentially disclosed mental illness. That's right. But many of them did have a known mental health history. Okay. Yes. So I guess the ultimate question is, should that record be in a database accessible by law enforcement when doing a background check when someone wants to purchase a firearm? When someone wants to purchase a firearm, no. I think if you have a convicted felon who has been known to be adjudicated, not competent or criminally insane, then that should be available to law enforcement in terms of a criminal act. 
but in terms of the civil protection for constitutional rights, absolutely not. Those okay. are we we have a strong history in this country of keeping civil and criminal cases separate. Right. And that needs to continue. Okay. Well, I have no doubt that the debate will continue to rage mm -hmm. both in regards to gun control and how mental health plays into gun control and the policies of this nation. So, uh, doctors, Hup, um, <laughs> Greg and Susanna, thanks for coming on. Susanna, thanks for coming on again. And hopefully we can have you back again to talk about a more cheery topic someday soon. And as you know, we have a tradition of ending the show with some words of wisdom. And, and I'd like to share a Bible verse from Romans 12:21, uh, which says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And hopefully we can go forth and do good and improve the world and make it a better place. And, and hopefully these things won't happen so much in the future. We can only pray that that be the case. So thanks for coming on the Trey Blocker Show. Good stuff. Amen, thanks. brother. Thank you. This has been the Trey Blocker Show. If you like what you heard, please visit TreyBlocker.com for more episodes and a chance to donate and support the show. Thank you for listening.